Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galanti along with Andrew P. Shea. Hello, Andrew. Are you ready for a day of uh, Penn State football talk? I'm ready, Jimmy. Let's get going. We got a we got a snack menu today, right? Let's call it what we called it. It's a little bit of everything. It's not a full meal. It's a bunch of different snacks, and we're gonna hit them all. That was our decision. We recall it's a hodgepodge potpourri of things. We decided what we don't have is a main meal. What we have is a bunch of snacks. So yep. let's get right to it, Andy. These are just different odds and ends that I picked up over the last week or so that I want to get your take on. Uh, first thing up, we've seen recently the recruiting class of 24 is starting to come together, which made me take a look at, okay, where are they doing well? Where are they still needing some help? But let's just do the quick rundown. As we know from recent events, They've got two running backs in this class, two very good running backs. I think they're in good shape there. Offensive line, depending on how you want to interpret it, they either have four or five. They have one player called an athlete. He's going to be an offensive lineman. They've got three cornerbacks. They've got one tight end. They've got two linebackers. Andy, I want to start with running back and offensive line. They're killing it these last couple of years. Rock, running back is no shock, right? Like it's RBU. They they come and they play, they do well, and they go to the NFL. Um, that's And they're elite. They're recruiting running backs at an elite level. This is the second year in a row that you could say they're recruiting the offensive line position at either a very strong average or possibly borderline above average level and they're also getting quality but also adding quantity for development and that was something that was desperately needed um they were they were thin in 2021 very thin they were a little thin this year but a little better and they're continuing to bolster that they're doing extremely well on that front and it showed right like Last year, the offensive line was a solid group that contributed big time to what Penn State did. Um, Defensive tackles, it's the hardest position to recruit. They don't have any, but, you know, they don't have a quarterback yet, but that's recruiting quarterbacks is like a, it's like a week is like a dog. It's like dog years. You measure it. It feels like you went through. Seven year, seven weeks in a week sometimes because it changes and is so volatile and fast. But they'll land on a guy, and either way, I trust and know that James Franklin understands and knows what he's looking for in a quarterback. That much is crystal clear in a decade of him coaching. So I think they're off to an outstanding start. I think they're ranked inside the top 10 generally where they are right now. So they're doing well, and of course they got a couple linebackers. But running back, you're right, Jimmy. Running back and offensive line, they're doing well above board in this class. Well, well above board. 
and I'm probably liking the offensive line even more than you. I think last year getting elite guys like Javen Williams and Alex Bershmeyer, I say last year, but that's coming into this season. You know, they have guys like um, Drew Shelton, who as a true freshman got on the field. I think Vega Ioane, they absolutely love him. He was redshirted, so he's going to, he still has four years of eligibility left. And, you know, already with five guys this year, they're in great shape. Before we get to the quarterback, let's also mention wide receiver, and you alluded to the defensive tackle position, D-line, wide receiver, two positions they have no commitments yet. How big a factor is it, Andy, though, that they've got new position coaches at both those spots? So I think that they're both different. They have two new position coaches. They're both different scenarios. I think I think the the lack of a deep interior defensive lineman, you know, they'll find a DN. I'm not. They they've never had trouble finding defensive ends at Penn State and under James Franklin. That is not a problem. And under their defensive staff. And hello, if you're a defensive end, you might want to consider playing for Manny Diaz, but you're not sure if he's going to be around. But if opportunity's there, you want to play for that guy. It's the defensive tackle's different. It's the Guns and Roses position, right? You need patience, right? All you need. Uh, if you're under the age of 35, you might not know what I'm talking about, but go listen to it. It's an awesome tune. Patience by Guns and Roses. It's a patience position normally anyway, even with a veteran coach. You've got a new young coach. Let him find what he wants, and that's going to take a little time. The wide receiver, yeah, they have a new position coach, but they also have like 12 guys on scholarship or something. Like they have a dandy dozen already there. And it's going to be a tr- little bit of a tricky position to recruit because there's so many there and it ha- the opportunity is a little more limited. And part of your selling on the recruiting front right now is opportunity, right? And it's a little bit limited, not because it's a wealth of talent and five stars, but because it's a crowded house. And and that's, you know, kind of an equal problem. But I think it plays itself out through camp and going into this season. I don't expect a ton of wide receiver recruits over the summer. I just don't see it coming right now. But it's not a position per se of concern, but it also is because it's a new guy. So it's like a 50-50 prop for me. on The, uh, the defensive line I'm not worried about. If I'm recruiting wide receivers, I do say to them, it's wide open. If you're a stud wide receiver, you could get on the field and you get to play with a pretty good quarterback with Drew Aller. All right, let's let's talk quarterback, Andy. And what you were talking about earlier is how quickly things change. Is a couple weeks ago, um, a quarterback by the name of Michael Van Buren out of uh, Maryland he had narrowed his choices down to Penn State, Oregon, Maryland, and I think and Penn State was at the time the heavy favorite. And not only heavy favorite, but also Oregon looked like and find, and did sign another quarterback. So did that possibly eliminate them or put them on the side burner? But in a week or so, everything changed. All of a sudden, Oregon is the heavy favorite and a lot of predictions for him going there. Another name came up for Penn State, and that's Samaj Jones, four-star quarterback out of Philadelphia powerhouse St. Joe's. He now appears to be the new favorite. 
Andy, I know you've seen him play at the high school level. Give us the scouting report on Samaj Jones. Yeah, so he's he's built more like a he looks more like a running back than a quarterback a little bit. I mean, he's like he's thick. He's six one. I think he's like two oh five, two ten. He is a dynamic runner. He is a powerful combination of speed and power as a runner. And he could easily be a running back. He really could. He has a interesting, you know, sort of as a quarterback with his arm, his touch, his touch with the ball is fantastic. He's a he's a really good touch passer, but he kind of throws everything with a little bit of a touch, right? Like it's a little has a little nice loft and loop, easy to catch. Um, I think he is a step short on the development in terms of that, you know, five to seven to 10 yard range, making quality throws. He's got a little bit of happy feet in the pocket, but when he gets outside the pocket, it's game on because he's such a dynamic runner. And he's an, he's a better thrower of a short pass on the run than he is from the pocket right now. And that's a development thing you can work on. I think he's got a lot of tools to work with. He doesn't have like a cannon for an arm, but he's got a beautiful like 20 to 25, 30 yard deep range throw that's just thrown with just this touch and beauty that makes you salivate. It is a really nice pinpoint touch pass, but he doesn't have like that rocket cannon arm. He throws a slant really, really well. His best throw overall is the slant. And that is really important. There's a lot to like about him. He's a, he is the most, if they recruit him, he will be the most dynamic option to be a running quarterback, not a pure running quarterback, but a quarterback who can run at an extremely high level that Penn state will have recruited. And Trace McSorley was pretty good. This guy's just more naturally gifted with running back skills, playing quarterback. And I love that at the co- in the college game, a quarterback who you have to account for, who's a factor in the running game that the defense can't forget about him. I think that changes the whole dynamic of an offense, Andy. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it brings another dimension to it. Um, I just think there's a couple things that you know Penn State has to be aware of when they recruit him on the development. There, this offense requires some of those hard out throws that are, you know, way across and stretching. And they those throws have to be made on a rope to a spot. That is not his strength. That will be have something that has to be developed. But in terms of running, man, he's powerful through the first two levels. And then he is, he is faster than you think in the open field for kind of, you know, being as thick as he is. When I, when I saw him the first time, it was like, man, he look, he looks like a running back. Like he literally looks like a running back and he looks heavier than his 205 to 210, but that's just because of his build. He's just a very thick, he's got a a thick trunk. He's got big, strong legs and he can hurt people, not physically, but he can hurt people in that first level because of his quickness and power combination. Andy, there are three quarterbacks three scholarship quarterbacks on the roster right now. If you're Penn State, you got to be looking for two quarterbacks, don't you? Yeah, I, 
I don't know. Um, it's such a crazy position with the transfer portal now. I don't know which way you go. Do you, you know, it's just, uh, it's such a hard field to navigate the position with the quarterback. I mean, do you get two? And if you get two, the general thought is the one that sort of stands out after a year or two moves up and the other one goes, right? Like, I don't know if the standard thought now is to recruit two, knowing that one's going to leave. It's a very weird spot for me at this position because of the transfer portal and how many quarterbacks go in there, how fast they go in there, and how much they want from a team when they transfer in. The fact that they only have three right now, and that's before any of them leaves potentially in the in the transfer portal, Andy. I, I think you really got to shoot for two. Anyway, that is it for quarter number one. Stick around. We got a whole mess of topics to talk about starting in quarter number two. Stay tuned. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. He's Andy. I'm Jim. We are talking Penn State football with a plethora of topics today. And Andy, something popped up this week. And I wanted to get your take on this. Something I love. They came out with the schedule for the 2024 and 2025 college football playoffs. And this, as a reminder, 
this is when they go to 12 teams. Essentially, what they're doing is in the first round will be teams seeded 5 through 12 will play at the home field of the higher seed, and that is going to happen the weekend of December 20th and 21st. They then will do the next level, the quarterfinals. They're going to do that around New Year's Day with one game New Year's Eve and then three games itself on New Year's Day. And by the way, that's how that first round, December 20th, Friday, and 21st, Saturday, with uh, one game Friday night and then three games on Saturday. Andy, we're a year and a half away from that happening, and I'm already excited about it. What what stood out to you in looking at that schedule? So I liked I found it interesting that they brought the bowl games into play in the quarterfinal round, which makes perfect sense. Um, I also like the fact that the top four seeds get a buy and and that the college football playoff committee it might I might take a little bit of a beating. They're still gonna have a very strong voice, right? Like this still has to be seated. And just because you're a conference champion, um, does not mean that you are guaranteed to be one of the top six seeds per se. You know what I mean? I mean, after the top four, I think four conference champions and what they determine are the top four could be, but then they go into are five and six, Jimmy. I didn't look. Okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but are they guaranteed five and six because they won a conference championship? No, um, at least not six because that's, um, it could be a group of five team Correct. or, you know, not a team from the, so you've got to, but the four seeds that get the buy, that's the important one. Correct. They are the top four ranked conference, conference champions. champions. Yep. And that has a lot of meaning to it. And let me explain why. If you look at, you know, last year's, uh, uh, if they would have had that playoff seeding, you would have uh, Georgia and Michigan would have been seeded one and two. Makes sense. They are the conference winners of the two best conferences, and they were the two best teams there. Then Utah and Kansas State, Andy, would have been three and four. Correct. And that's the part. That I think you, because if you recall, Kansas State upset TCU in the Big 12 uh, conference championship game. So that is where I think you're going to get the most controversy, where previously with just the top four and there was not that kind of issue, you could have the Southeast Conference runner-up being the number one seed. Now, if, say... And it's not a stretch to imagine Alabama and Georgia being the two best teams in the country play each other in the Southeast Conference Championship game. The winner's the number one seed. The loser turns into the number five seed. Yeah, no, I I, I still like it because it, it's got a balance to it across the power five, you know, across the power five conferences as they exist now. And you've got to, you got to perform. You got to win. You got to win your conference championship game to get the freebie. Now, TCU went to the college football playoff last year, even though they lost to Kansas State in the 
in the Big 12 championship game, but I like the fact going forward that you perform and you win and you win your conference and you're one of the power fives and you're ranked in the top four, you're going to get a bye. I like that. And the rest have to play it out. There's still going to be a number five. There's still going to be an argument for who's four or who's five, possibly, um, if they're two conference champions. I kind of like that because that keeps, you know, sort of everybody on their toes. Um, and, and I just wonder, you know, the other thing is, as I looked out like last year's, I just think it's cruel. This is funny that if it played out, Penn State would have played against Ohio State in the first round. That's just mean to make them do that again after they have to play them in the in the Big Ten Beast Conference. Yes, I'm calling it the Big Ten Beast, not East Conference of the Big Ten. Um, the Big Ten, you know, the division, I call it the Big Ten Beast. And I also think that in terms of rankings after the top four, I, I think the college football playoff committee being involved I wonder how much potential matchups at the end will play into that, right? Would they have moved Penn State up or down to stay away from Ohio State, for example, right? Like by the numbers, as a as it would have played out in 2022, would they have moved them to avoid that? That'll be some of the interesting things that, um, that I'll pay attention to. But the, the college football playoff committee rankings will still be paramount. That is going to be important. Obviously, it will. I think the only place... What I like is those top four seeds is taken out of the human hands mostly. Okay. Yep. We'll know who those teams are, and you got to win your conference to get there. Where I think the argument is going to be is I always joked they had a playoff committee together all the time. I could have decided it for you. One loss in a Power Five conference, you're in. You lose two games, you're out. Yep. Because that's essentially how it always ended up. Now it's going to be, is the is it going to be the difference between two losses and three? And where you're going to end up coming into play is, how about a three-loss Southeast Conference team against a two-loss Big 12 or Pac-12 team? That's where you're going to start getting the controversy, Andy. And I don't have a problem with that. It's Let there be controversy. It's the same conversation we're having now, Jimmy. It's just a different number. The the, yeah. the that it's just moving the fence post, but the the conversation doesn't change one bit. But here's the thing, and I think this is legitimate. The schedule will matter now. It will. If you yeah. have Alabama, LSU, Georgia on your schedule, that's a lot different than a Pac-12 or a uh, Big 12 schedule. So yep. I think you do have to consider that. And speaking of which, let me segue into something else that it just, it intrigues me. It's not Penn State. It's the Southeast Conference, Andy. And the question is coming up again. Southeast Conference has been protecting their teams by having an eight-team conference. How does that protect them? Here's my question for you. When was the last time Alabama and Georgia played in a regular season game? It's been years. Guess what? That saves those teams a loss. It helps them get into the playoffs. That's what the Southeast Conference was all about. Well, now, especially they're adding two teams. Uh, the networks, ESPN is paying even more money for their, for their games. The SEC is having that debate again an eight-game schedule or a nine-game conference schedule. 
So, Andy, do they put out what's better for TV, what's better for the fans, giving the schools three rival games, which they play every year, which would happen with the nine-game schedule, or this silly eight-game schedule where they only have one rival and you don't get Alabama playing Georgia, you lose, you know, a Texas-Texas A&M can't be a rivalry because Texas already has Oklahoma. So which way do they go, Andy? The really smart nine-game way or the really stupid eight-game way? And I I don't want to bias you in any way. No, if I had to bet on the SEC, I'd say they're going to go the eight-game way. They are going to protect their own. They are going to create as much opportunity. It didn't matter whether it's now it was four, now it'll be 12. They are going to do what they can to protect their own and give them the greatest opportunity because they feel they are king of the mountain and the conferences are still in charge. They are running the show. I know there's a lot of money in the TV, but they are still protecting their own. The college football playoff committee and the NCAA, they are not a stakeholder at all in these types of conference decisions. The conferences are going to do it how they want to do it. And it makes sense to go to a nine game with three rivals, but really do you think the SEC is not going to go to the nth to protect themselves? I have a hard time seeing them changing because the college football playoff change. If they think they can protect their own better with an eight game, they're going to do an eight game in one rival. I'll that, tell you what I think SEC, the difference bro. maker will be. Why I think it will still end up a nine game is I think those rivalry games make too much sense. It's do. what, even if the, on one aspect, hey, better chance for me to make the playoffs if there's only an eight game um, conference schedule and I get a freebie somewhere in November against Podunk U, I think you have too much pressure from the universities to, again, I'll use Texas as the example. In an eight-game schedule, Oklahoma will be their rival. You know that will be the case. You know it. But what about Texas, Texas A&M? Do you not think both universities, alums, students, fans, want to see that game every year. If you go to the eight game, it's not just an every other year for that game, but if you're at A&M, you only see Texas coming to your school once every four years, okay? Because, you know, with the home and home situation, I think that will be the thing that will push them towards the nine-game schedule, Andy. I think if it doesn't, they don't feel that they can – get as many teams or create an opportunity for as many SEC teams to be at large teams as possible. They won't care what the alumni and the schools and Texas and Texas A&M think about wanting to play each other. They are going to protect their stake as a big dog on the biggest stage, which is the college football playoffs. They don't want equitable. They don't want it to be equitable. The SEC wants to be king of the hill. They always have operated like that. But I get what you're saying. I just think they might let it play out for one one uh, cycle and then possibly change. And that's just a guess, Jimmy. It's just a guess. And, and I'd prefer if they went to nine game and three rivals, personally. I just want to see more good football. I think that will ultimately happen. I think there'll be TV pressure, fan pressure. And some. if you're Alabama, hey, four games – 
12 playoff teams now. There's no way in the world we're not making the playoffs anyway. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter number two. Stick around. Quarter number three, we take your questions and ask Andy. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. We all know what that means. It's time to ask Andy. This is where we take your questions. We ask them of Andy. At the end of the segment, he'll pick out the best question, and whoever sent it to us will win the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com, including their great coffee barbecue rubs. It's a great prize. If you want to send your question in to Andy, here's how you do it. Just download our app. It's free, of course. Just Go to your app store, look for Keystone Sports, you'll see it, bring up the app, and you'll see the Ask Andy button. All right, Andy, are you all ready to go? I am. Let's go, Jimmy. Fire away. I'm ready. Let's start with The Riz from New York City. I thought he used to say he was from Princeton. Anyway, here's Riz's question. Andy, Will Levis was drafted in the second round. Is this an indictment of Franklin as a coach related to quarterback development and overall awareness? Uh, no, because Sean Clifford was drafted as well. And and when the decision had to be made, who is going to be the number one or the number two? And that was, you know, 2019, 2020. And what you saw Will Levis, who was not a fully developed product yet, 
Um, what you saw, it was not a hard choice, to be honest, from my perspective. I just didn't think it was a hard choice. Will Levis's best asset at Penn State was his legs. He chose a transfer school really smartly. Kentucky fit his game and allowed him to develop exponentially because they used his strength and let him develop his weakness. So, I mean, he had a great 21. He was injured in 2022, but it was also clear without a lot of help around him that he uh, elite help by the way, their offensive line in 2021 and their running game was really powerful. It allowed him to flourish. When Moore fell on him, yes, he w- he got hurt and was injured, but it was clear even when he was healthy, when Moore fell on him, it wasn't quite as dynamic and as good as it was the year before. He's a he's a bit of a risky product, but he's got a really high ceiling if if some more you know pieces fall into place in terms of his development. But I don't think it's an indictment on Jim because he had and, and his coaching staff because they had to make a decision in a time frame when the two of those quarterbacks weren't on a level playing field per se in terms of development with their Clifford has been kind of the same from all the way through. He struggled during the COVID year with turnovers and confidence and, and went from coordinator to coordinator to coordinator. But even from 2019 and through last season, he was, he was kind of always the same quarterback. So, and that was a pretty good quarterback last year. He was Andy. And I think um, I will debate that it was an easy choice. I think, I think it's a debatable choice, but I think what we heard from Green Bay and what impressed them about Sean Clifford is the argument for the the Sean Clifford route to take. All right, let's go to Daniel and Belvern, who says, um, on April 21st, you discussed the whiteout game likely opponent this year. One factor I believe you may be overlooking, the terms NBC has with the Big Ten for night games. It seemed to me with the money involved, NBC might have a heavy hand in trumping the Big Ten's prior protocols for night games, especially those in November. And if NBC wants our game November 11th, I think they have a good chance to get it, even though the weather at night then is a negative factor. TV contracts may prevail. What can you find out about this? Andy, let me take this first because I did some some homework. Um, okay. First of all, the background is the Big Ten wouldn't allow a November night game unless the away team agreed to it. Penn State's playing Michigan in November, and there's no way on God's green earth no, that Michigan would agree to play Penn State at night in a whiteout game if they have their druthers, which they would. What um, Daniel brings up, though, is NBC's contract now is to have the primetime evening games, and what? the contract is for enough games that they'll need games in November. But as far as a policy for the Big Ten, I looked and looked, and nowhere did I see where the Big Ten has officially addressed this issue. Now, the following year, starting in 24, they'll have UCLA and USC in the fold. You could play a game on the West Coast at 4 o'clock. It'll be a primetime game in the East, and I think they will take full advantage of that. As far as games this year in November, we're still guessing. But my guess is 
if Michigan really doesn't want to play Penn State at night, this being the Big Ten and them being Michigan, they'll get their say. What do you think, Andy? So I think I'm going to disagree. I think this is the new commissioner of the Big Ten. This will be a policy that he will address, and being a TV guy, he will hear both sides, right? Like he knows his schools and as a, but money matters, right? And he will also listen to what the network says. The Big Ten sort of silence on their policy. This is our policy, and they haven't said a peep either way. Like this is, we would like to reiterate our policy, or we're considering adjustment. Their silence tells you that it is up in the air. Right, either or, and I think this will be a decision based on will be will fall at the feet of the new commissioner. He will make a decision whether this is a policy and we're sticking with it, or whether we're going to allow NBC to pick that November 11th game, and then Penn State can have the opportunity to make it a whiteout. We want that game on NBC, so I still think it's going to play out over the summer. I really do. The game's already set, just not the time. They've got all summer to work through it. I think it's going to be a negotiation. And I don't know where it's going to fall. I think they'll work it out for Fox to get that game and play it at their main time, which is at noon. I just feel that that's the way it'll happen. And maybe that means giving NBC something earlier in the year. But I, I still think this conference humors Ohio State and Michigan so much, Andy, that I think they'll, that they will do that again. Spoken right. like a true Penn State fan, Jimmy. But it is Andy, not wrong. It is not wrong. Essentially, there are strong elements of it. Yes, you are right. You can't. You you cannot I, cannot I, I, convince me. I am not going that it's any other way. I agree. So, but let's go with Jack in Arlington, Virginia, who says, "What would it take for us to catch up to Ohio State in the recruiting world?" They seem to just get top players year after year, especially at wide receiver and quarterback. It's it, Penn State gets running backs and linebackers, right? Like so, there's that's to me that's potato patata. But yes, the quarterback and the wide receivers, they stack them like cordwood. Kind of feels like Penn State stacks running backs and linebackers like that as well. But beyond that, I, it's 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 a twofold. It's twofold. They've they've. They've got to enter into the college football playoff picture, get in, and then obviously if you win a national championship, that's a game changer. I'm not saying that that's the first step. I'm thinking the first step is either now, because opportunity is now in a four-team field. Penn State's got it. They're, they're that good. Opportunity exists now. Expanded playoffs coming in, in 2024. I think they have to become a college football playoff brand. And that will help them close the gap because right now, Ohio State is an NFL college football brand. They send guys to the NFL like crazy. They're a machine and they uh, develop players and send them to the NFL. That's what recruits want. They're a college football playoff brand. That's what recruits want. Penn State is one step behind on both of those fronts a little bit. I'm not so sure on the NFL development side that they're that they're really even behind. I think that's more a level playing field. So that's the step I see that Penn State can take. I think they went from a couple steps behind Ohio State to now just being one or two steps behind. 
Agreed. they had this opening a couple years ago where they went, were winning double figure games and it slipped away. They had leads against Ohio State that might have put them over the top and put them in the playoffs. They've got that same opportunity again. Credit to James Franklin and his staff for recruiting in such a way. They are getting more elite players. They're not getting as many as Ohio State. And to that end, interesting little tidbit here for you, Andy. Some people are now coming out with their projected first-round picks for next year in 24. And Penn State is hoping maybe they could get two guys in the first round, maybe three. Projections have Ohio State with eight, eight first-rounders. That tells you they're still ahead. All right, let's go to Rusty from Belfont, who says, Jim, love your show and every one of the analysts. Well, thank you, Rusty. My question is, if you could only get one player from the portal, would you take a defensive tackle, a wide receiver, or a defensive back? Keep up the good work. Oh, I think you take a defensive tackle every time and twice on Sunday. If you find a, if you land on a defensive tackle that A, wants to come to you, B, you think fits to you, C, you like, and D, you think can start contributing help for you sooner than later, a.k.a. Derek Tangelo, I think that is invaluable because it's such a hard position to recruit. It's a difficult position for development. How they're used and when they're used and their value seems to be a shifting catalyst. To me, it's defensive tackle all the way. It's it's not even close. And it's just such an invaluable asset when you can have three to four guys that can play at a certain level. And I'm talking not talking five-star level. I'm talking guys that can play, you know, 60, 65% of your snaps a game and rotate through them and all be in that – sort of level playing field where you don't have to, you know, grind two guys into the ground. I just think you take defensive tackles every time. Andy, as much as it pains me to say this, I agree with you 1000%. Oh, really? (laughs) I do. And it, you know, a lot of the things that you brought up, but there are so few of those monster one technique defensive tackles Penn State has not excelled there. You know, we see excellent running backs and defensive ends, and and they have had um, some very good wide receivers. We haven't seen that monster defensive tackle. There's very few of them. And if you see the, the really good teams, they do have that guy. Penn State has not had that. I'm with you. That is it, Andy, for quarter number three. Stick around quarter number four. Andy's going to announce our winner. Stay tuned. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. 
lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim. He's Andy. Andy, first piece of business, we got to name a winner for our Ask Andy segment. Who's it going to be? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Rusty and Belfont. Uh, good question, but more importantly, uh, when I you know, started opining my thoughts on your question, you actually forced Jimmy to agree with me. So, Rusty, <laughs> well done. Uh, Rusty and Belfont is our winner. Enjoy your right, 409 tailgate gift pack. Rusty, I'm not as happy with you as Andy is because I'm never thrilled <laughs> when I agree with Andy. It's more fun when I disagree with him. But uh, anyway, Rusty, you are our winner. Let's move on to a few more topics, Andy. And we're going to go here and there real quick on a few topics. Something I ran across, a statistic, and it's based on this year's recruiting class, but it could come from... I think every year, pretty much the case. Where are the best recruits? Well, we sort of know, but this number kind of puts it into perspective. The top 100 recruits. Now, this is the elite of the elite when you get in top 100. 62%, which means 62 out of the 100, come from Florida, Texas, Georgia, and California. Four states account for 62% of the top 100 players any surprise there at all andy not one little bit this is this is a couple decades worth of it i'd say georgia is a little bit of a more of a newcomer in the last decade but florida and texas and california actually that number it, it feels a little average or maybe even a wee bit light if if you ask me i, I could see 70 65 to 70 even being uh, coming from those four states out of a, out of a top 100. I mean, everyone, you know, we know Florida, Florida's the deepest, right? Florida is an elite recruiting 
ground. If you're a top 30 player in Florida, you're generally elite, four slash five star. Top 50 in Florida, you're still getting a high quality football player. Florida is the deepest and most fertile ground. You know, when you talk about recruiting and nationally, go ahead. Now, I was just going to point out, and I do this every once in a while, um, Penn State got a couple cornerbacks from Florida. One of them is John Mitchell, who's a four-star nationally. He's number 176, which is really, really good. Like I said, he's a four-star. He's the 16th best cornerback in the country. In Florida, he's ranked number 28. On their list of of recruits. So that that gives you some idea of where Florida is. And you'll see similar in Texas and California. I think the other one, we know this state is good, but it's surprising they're up there with the other, is Georgia. Because they don't have nearly the population that you see in Florida and Texas and California, yet they're still up there. Which also, I think, tells you why the University of Georgia is so good and puts so many players on the Philadelphia Eagles or the entire <laughs> NF- the entire <laughs> NFL. Andy, That's funny. Um, all right, let's let's go to another topic that you and I have hit on uh, previously, but I'd like to hit it up again, and I got a a, a special point to it. Uh, some of the early lines that have come out for Penn State, uh, they the big two, Ohio State and Michigan. Penn State is playing at Ohio State, and they're a 10.5-point underdog. I don't think I have anything wrong with that number preseason. Ohio State's going to be loaded again. Um, Penn State hosts Michigan. Spread is a lot closer playing at home with them, but Michigan is favored by a point and a half. I think I'm okay with that spread also. Michigan, playoff football playoff team, won the Big Ten the last two years. Their very good quarterback is back. Their very good running back room is back. That's wonderful. Um, They're 10.5-point favorites over Iowa, who they play at home in September. I'm not shocked by that because Iowa, their offense has been so bad. Dreadful. Just absolutely dreadful. Their defense is good, but their offense is so dreadful, and Penn State's defense is elite. But here's the one that I find intriguing. The opener is uh, Penn State against West Virginia, and I believe we all remember Virginia back when Penn State played. I mean, West Virginia had some really good teams. One year, they played for the national championship against Notre Dame. They were not a very good Big 12 team. They're breaking in a new quarterback. Penn State is a 17-point favorite. That doesn't shock me. But here's what I found interesting. Um, I read an article. It's a West Virginia-based article talking about that game, the fact that, and we've talked about this, NBC is going to cover it, and it may be a night game, which is all very exciting and all. And the writer of that article called it a pretty even match. Now, Andy, I realize that they're playing to a West Virginia audience. Correct. But how does somebody get away with calling that matchup a pretty even match? And I'm not, this is not somebody, a fan on a forum, you know, writing that in. This is a writer of an article that kind of went out there nationally because I read it. And 
how, how does that happen? You're a media guy. How in the world does someone get away with saying that kind of thing? Well, you say that if you don't know ball. That's all I'm going to say. You just don't know football. I mean, look at the line. Forget for a minute that West Virginia's defense was absolutely atrocious last year, and they were 5-7 and seven overall. That's last year, right? Preseason lines are about potential matchups, and lines themselves are about matchups, right? So if you're looking at West Virginia and you're looking at Penn State and you're going to look at that game, you have to start on good versus good. And that would be West Virginia's offense versus Penn State defense. That's where the catalyst of this line is going to come from. Like, good on good, how close is that? And even though West Virginia's offense was okay last year, Penn State's defense was not just okay. And they bring a whole crap load of dudes back. This defense is elite. So you've got elite versus average. That's where the other side of the ball is a contributing factor, right? West Virginia's defense is atrocious. Penn State's breaking in a new quarterback and has some pieces but has no idea what's going on at the wide receiver position. That's a little bit more of a wash. This is about good versus good. I mean, your defense was atrocious, and you don't fix that in six months. Yeah, there is serious potential that it could be better, but that's an unknown. So if you call this a pretty even game, Looking at that, knowing that the gap between good versus good is that big, then you just don't know football. It's the known versus the known. And the known in this case is Penn State's elite, borderline exceptional defense that is not only good but deep. That double combo will will give it more leeway through the course of the season with the odds makers than anything else. And Andy, you know, it's it's one thing to say, oh, I predicted upset here. But when you just call it an even match, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, let's move on again, hitting odds and ends. Emphasis on odds. ESPN with their FPI, that power index or something like that, where they rate all the teams. And they came out with their odds for Big Ten teams to win their division. So we know what that means in the Big Ten East. Ohio State, they put 75% chance to win the East. Michigan at 17%. Penn State at 6 Just to tell you what the other side of the conference looks like, they have Wisconsin at 50%, Iowa at 20 both Minnesota and Illinois at 12%. Um I think this tells you just how stacked Ohio State is, even though they're with a new quarterback. Although it does shock me because Michigan, two-time defending champ, and they only put them at 17%. Any of that yeah. surprise you? This is anal- This is a bit more analytics-driven, and I get it. But this just doesn't – that doesn't add up, right? That – I know Ohio State has more available talent at its disposal than anyone else. Well, duh. And what does that produce when it plays Michigan on the field? Uh, I don't think it produces that big of a gap, right? You said it already. Michigan's won twice in a row. Um, So that percentage, the gap that large, even on an analytics perspective being that large, it surprises me. Penn State being that far back. That, that's just not – it's the Big Ten beast, right? It's all three of those teams, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, 
they're not only potential, they are potential Big Ten Conference champions, right? But think about it, nationwide, and even a little bit if you weaned into the SEC and, you know, sort of brought them into the mix, they would play and be part of the conversation of winning that conference. Would they be, would all three of them be considered favorites or in the strong conversation and say the ACC or the big 12 or the PAC 12? Uh, yeah. Are they're are they potentially, they're potentially three of the top five teams in the country going into 2023. Yeah. Penn state has a, a quarterback question to answer, and that's going to be a huge part of their equation in terms of the preseason ranking. But at the least, I think in Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, you have three of the top six or seven teams going into this season right there in that one division of the Big Ten. Uh, Far be it from me to ever defend Michigan, but um, the Michigan-Ohio State is at Ann Arbor this year. So I thought that should should have factored into it. One last quick note. Uh, Penn State got a defensive tackle, Alonzo Ford. From Old Dominion, he's listed at six foot two, anywhere, Andy, from two hundred seventy pounds to two hundred ninety pounds. Is this their solution at defensive tackle? I don't think they're looking for a solution. I really don't. I do not see the need or, or a hole that needs a solution. Maybe I'm wrong. I just, I just don't see it. It does not strike me as a position of desperation. But it, his size and he's played some football means he looks like every other defensive tackle Penn State already has right now, right? Like the same mold is four on a rotation is five better than four. Heck yeah, five's better than four. If he thinks the opportunities at Penn State to be in that rotation, good on him. He's got a spot to prove and make it because I think they're solid there. And he's got a couple years of eligibility. I think actually three. So he has a chance to be part of the rotation for a couple years. Andy, that is it for the show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. 
you get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.